Hey, welcome to Film vs. Movie, the podcast where we debate the cinema you hate. I'm your co-host, Belton Delaney Facey. And my name's Chris Scher. And on this podcast, we watch the films that have been slandered, desecrated, and hacked into via 2010 laptops of public opinion. <laughs> Those laptops are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're just like uh, uh, like Lenovo touchpads, whatever the default a corporate job gives you when they really don't care about you. Well, and he had four of them. <laughs> he, I know he was doing important hacking, but like at some point as a writer, he probably had three of them. And oh, used uh, two of them, and then just had another one lying around. Oh, uh, oh! On set, they probably had multiple on standby so that he could break them. <laughs> so yeah, the film we are talking about today is *Fateful Findings*, a 2013 uh, uh, film from independent filmmaker Neil Breen. Neil Breen is a genius. Yeah, is something that no one's ever said before. It's a. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, for, uh, yeah. For context, Neil Breen is an independent fil- uh, uh, filmmaker. He he's a full time architect as his day, his day job. He uses that to fund his movies on, on the side. They've gotten into some film festivals, and he's garnered a bit of an uh, of a cult followings uh, since then from uh, from all of that. And a, a lot of people compare him to Tommy Wiseau, who of course made The Room. That sounds about right. They kind of have like that. Oh my God. What I was telling our producer, it's kind of like their films are ones where every single decision is the wrong one. <laughs> and you're like, you didn't make one right choice. And in that is it's, it's interesting. You're like, how did you make all the, everything's wrong. This is barely a film. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it's interesting because, uh, because it's like the, uh, I would say there are like slight differences between him and, to- uh, and Tommy Wiseau. He's like b- bolder to add sci-fi elements w- <laughs> uh, without a budget. And I would say like based off the uh, the sex scenes, like you watch the room, you get it, it, and like you walk out there feeling like Tommy Wiseau has never had intercourse with a woman. <laughs> I feel like Neil Breen has, but if you mentioned the clip, he'd be like, "What's that?" <laughs> Actually, in my notes, I have, it seems like this movie was made just so Neil Breen could see a pair of boobs for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> like, he, he was like, I'm 45. I haven't seen boobs yet. That's, like, hard to do. And he's like, so I'm going to start making films, and I'll see one set of tits per film. And then when I die at the age of 70, I'll have seen, like, 10. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we should probably get into the plot of the movie. You want me to do a rundown of the plot? Yeah, sure. Okay, this is gonna, it's not gonna make a lot of sense because this movie doesn't make a lot of sense, but okay, the opening is Neil Breen's character is a child with his childhood love, and they find a magical rock that is hidden under a disappearing mushroom. When they pick up the rock, a wisp of smoke shoots across the scene. Then you get a smash cut to modern day. You have an older Neil Bren. And he is struck in the road by a fancy car and left in a coma. At the end of that scene, he reaches out and the rock is there and he grabs it. And now he's holding the rock. He ends up in a hospital room in a coma. And they're like, he won't be able to get up for weeks. They all walk out of the room through the powers of the rock. He gets up within the day and then he walks out of the room and then they cut back to the bed and there's a pair of legs standing in front of it that just disintegrates into into the air, 
which for the I've rewatched this movie <laughs> and I still don't know what was going on. I completely forgot about like the pair of legs in the hospital room. Yeah, they just. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. So he walks out. He's built different. While recovering at home, he is plagued with headaches, but refuses to take his pain pills prescribed to him by a psychiatrist who he meets in a full-sized boardroom <laughs> for some reason. Like, imagine going to see your therapist and you're meeting in the same place that, like, executives from the show Billions would meet. Like, a full long table with a lot of chairs around it. Like, I'm just trying to imagine him looking for locations and writing... Uh, the space i'd like to imagine he found a smaller room that is like yes this could be a therapist's uh, uh, office and then last minute they were like oh sorry we gotta cancel your bookings like well what else do we have <laughs> see in my head every single place every setting you see in this movie you are seeing a part of neil breen's life like when you see him in his house you are actually just seeing Neil Breen's house. I don't think he got a new house. Oh, that, uh, oh, that's most definitely his and own I house. And I feel like, like that boardroom was the office from his architecture firm. <laughs> <laughs> and the carpeted... Okay, this is another weird part of the setting. Every single place had carpet. They're in a hospital room with carpet. <laughs> they go to a storage facility. There's carpet. Everywhere's got carpet. I just like... Oh, my God. Okay, I've got to keep going. Um... So he refuses to take the pills, going so far as to flush them down the toilet at one point, which his wife then goes and scoops them out of the toilet and just swallows all them bad boys straight out of the toilet. Like, she didn't even rinse them first. No, just immediately tear, tore into them. Um, as the movie goes on, he sits in his office a lot, and he's like trying to write a second book and he's always talking to unnamed book publishers and being like, yeah, no, like, so I'm not going to write the second book. I'm just not going to write it and I'm not going to have you guys publish it. And then he just goes like, uh, and he like lays his head down on the laptop. And then while that's going on, it cuts to him holding the rock and he wakes up in a room covered with black garbage bags and he's butt naked and he just stares at the garbage bags. Okay, just real quick to go back to the phone call for context. Every time there's a <laughs> phone call in in this movie, generally in movies, they handle phone calls one of two ways. One, you either cut between the two people having conversation over a phone call, or two, you just have voiceover so that it, there's voice, there's sound coming out of the phone that the character is responding to. They did neither of those. Every phone call is just someone holding a phone, and and they're just talking. No one's responding. Yeah, I think there's one scene where they keep cutting to the other person on the phone, but they don't say anything. It's it's bizarre choices. Like, oh my God, just bizarre choices. So he's writing the second book. He has all these phone calls and every single time he hangs up with one of the phone calls, he's like, uh, I have a master's in computer science and I'm writing novels. And then he'll be like, well, good thing I'm working on that other project. Which it turns out he's hacking into government databases to expose all the secret government and private secrets of the world. Yeah, and in the movie, 
it's always phrased exactly how Chris just said it. <laughs> like, they don't get into this, uh, what the secrets are, the specific government databases. He's just like, I'm hacking the government and I'm going to reveal their secrets. <laughs> he always says secret tw secrets twice. He describes them as secret adjective secrets. All that's going on. And then while that's going on, there's a B plot of his friend and his friend's wife, Jim and Jim's wife and their stepdaughter, Emmy. His best friend's wife won't fuck his best friend, so they're fighting. That is like the whole plot where he's just like, why won't you fuck me? And he's always shouting. Those two always shout too. Like there, there's a scene where they're in bed and she's like, I'm sorry, okay? I'm sorry. So uh, yeah, they're fucking. And... Also, the stepdaughter at some point comes on to Neil. She starts swimming in Breen's backyard topless. And then she goes to take a bath. And Neil's like, oh, my wife's taking a bath. And then it's his friend's stepdaughter topless. And he's like, no way, Jose. I'm not going to fuck you. And he like hands her a towel and asks her to leave. And here's I have a side note. Yeah. And, ju uh, and just so everyone's clear, this daughter character is clearly underage. Yeah. Also, when they... Neil asked her, she was like, what are you doing in school? And she's like, I have an interesting report on elephants. Neil doesn't know what happens in high school. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting a little caught up because this movie is all over the place. All right. At one point, Neil hosts a party and a nurse from the hospital comes. No explanation for how she comes. Uh, and she reveals herself as the childhood love. They hold hands. He's clearly sick of his wife's drug addiction. Oh, yeah, I kind of brushed over that. His wife's addicted to drugs. I mean, the film kind of brushed over that. So. Yeah. All right. He holds her hand. Um, then they go on a date. The wife... Oh, wait, I missed the part with the murder. Oh, <laughs> fuck. Okay, yeah. Neil's friend is killed by his wife, and then Jim thinks it's a suicide, so he goes... Or Neil thinks it's a suicide, so he goes like, Jim, how could you have committed suicide, Jim? Uh, it they, it doesn't affect the movie. <laughs> so then the wife commits suicide while Neil and the nurse relive their magical rock day. They go back to the magical rock place. The nurse is kidnapped. Neil phases through a door and rescues her. And then at the very end, he holds a press conference where he's like, hi guys, I'm here to expose the government and private secret secrets. And then the government, like government officials come up and they're like, oh, it's horrible what we've been doing. And then they just keep killing themselves. <laughs> and that's the end of the movie. <laughs> Did I miss anything? Not anything that I remember. <laughs> well, yeah, that ending uh, was weird because uh, like him and Leia go back, return to rock it's like okay this seems like a natural place for it to end and then the press conference is like oh yeah there's a whole g hacking into the government thing going on here he's like yeah just put together there's also the oh yeah there's this weird scene where he goes out into the desert and meets with a bunch of ghosts and then he's like are, are we gonna be safe and then they don't say anything and he comes back smiling. Oh, I, I completely forgot that scene. There's I, also the scene where paintings in his house very gently move. 
bunch of weird stuff goes on. Um, as far as pr uh, production, um, this being such a low, uh, low film, there aren't a whole lot of published uh, production stories. It's not like they had a full press junket for uh, uh, for this. Um, I would have loved to hear those stories, though. <laughs> um, yeah, ma so main thing about Neil Breen, we already co uh, covered how he gained a bit of a cult following. For this film, Neil Breen is the writer, director, producer, star, and editor, but he is also <laughs> the set decorator, production designer, casting uh, director, in charge of catering and sound design. The thing is, when, uh, when like, because he's working on amateur levels, so, like, most people on that level, it's like, they are doing these things, they just simply don't credit themselves as doing it. Okay, well, can we just talk about the credits for a second? <laughs> so when you when the credits roll and they get down to like editing and the different credits that aren't for actors and actresses, they keep naming companies. So it'll be like N and E Entertainment did the editing. And then after all those credits, there's a little thing that says any company with a B or an N in their name is a fictitious place and was actually done by Neil Breen. Why? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, th I think because, like, uh, I, I think a lot of people have seen, like, that meme from Parks and Rec where Leslie did a video and it's, uh, and it's just, like, directed and written by Leslie. It, it, no, edited by Le uh, Leslie. No, it's like, uh, it's like a boom operator, Leslie. No, and uh, I think, like, there is an instinct to uh, to want to avoid that, but you still like, oh, I still want to get credit. <laughs> I, I want to assume that uh, that's the reason. And he didn't think like adding that at the end of the credits would be like a Marvel end credit scene where you're just, we're just like, Oh shit. Thanos is here. <laughs> I guess, uh, faithful findings in, in particular, after it went through some film festivals, it was distributed by Panorama entertainment, which is, just a, a small distri distributor. They mainly put it on uh, on on demand and streaming sites. And I guess th uh, this is more of a fun question mark fact. Um, Jennifer Autry, who plays Le uh, Leia, the uh, uh, the girl who is supposed to be childhood friends with Breen's character, is thirty two years younger than him. Oh, Jesus. And apparently, at no uh, at no point uh, when interviewed about this movie, they ever give an explanation why he uh, he casted someone so much younger. I'm telling you, he just wanted to see boobs. <laughs> it's the whole reason he's doing these movies. So we never, you never found a budget for it, right? No, I I could only assume it was it, it was under f uh, five figures. Uh, probably, uh, probably like, uh, probably maybe low five figures. Because I remember you said Double Down cost seven thousand to make, so that's a fair assessment. Yeah, it's almost impressive. Yeah, I, yeah, that uh, that is one thing. It is impressive to just make a, a, any feature length movie on that budget. I think that more studios should bring him in, just as like a consultant to try and keep costs down. Where he's just like, oh, yeah, Taiki. Oh, fuck. How do you say his Watson? Is that his last name? Uh, Taika Watiti. <laughs> oh, dude, I got that so <laughs> wrong. 
<laughs> but he's just like, yeah, why don't you star play all the parts? You can direct write. You can also do the VFX in the next Thor movie. I don't know where I'm going with this, honestly, but he did a good job for $7,000. I'm just going to come out and say it. Yeah. So now it's time for our opening st- it, it statements. As Chris is going to defend this mo- movie, would you like to start? I can. In a time where every move, sorry, this needs a little more gravitas. uh, (laughs) In a time where every movie is pushed into a highly marketable box, Fateful Findings offers you something different. There's nothing like it. Every choice made by the producers, director, and writer will never be made again, except possibly in a different Neil Breen movie, because it was made by one man and one man only, the God himself, the king of auteur style, Neil Breen. All right. My opening statement. Neil Breen has been commendable in his ability to grow a following at his level. However, that hasn't correlated with his growth in his skill as a filmmaker. (laughs) Fateful Findings is his third feature film. He really needs to find out about storyboarding, color correction, and a proper character arc. (laughs) self-grandizing with execution that's incomprehensible at times this can't be viewed as anything more than a student film from a 50 year old man that leads that needs a, a lot more feedback <laughs> <laughs> neil breen is an auteur and this is just another one of his example or another example of one of his work his style is unmistakable you can watch any you could be blindfolded and just listen to the dialogue and you would be like that is a Neil Breen movie, not just because you hear his voice, mm-hmm. but because nothing that's being said makes any sense. <laughs> <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> this is in part due to the fact that he'll cast himself as the lead and also handle every other part of the movie. In fact, he'll handle all every single part of the movie from directing all the way down to craft services. Do you know any other filmmaker doing that? You hear Steven Spielberg doing that. I mean, I I know other filmmakers doing that because I know other independent filmmakers. Like, just to make, just to make something clear, it's like... <laughs> When you're self-producing, it's like, yeah, that's stuff I did on my uh, on my last sh- uh, short. But it's like you you have to know how to allocate re- uh, resources smart uh, smartly. If you don't have the re uh, uh, the resources to pull off sci-fi, maybe don't do sci-fi. And there are other things that uh, that like he could have done that just would take more time to improve prove it. Like. It clean up a lot, uh, uh, a lot of the cuts and color correction. Like that's uh, that's something you can do for free if you just have editing software. Okay, what I think you're missing about his style is is that I think his style is just don't edit, don't make any corrections, just shoot everything once and move on with your life. <laughs> <laughs> don't reread scripts, just like go for it. <laughs> <laughs> And and that's why we end up with like shots that are too long because like it's something where it's like when two characters are having a conversation, it's like uh, it's like the shot just uh, on one character will just linger for a full second after they're done talking and then cut to the uh, other one. It's not like it, it doesn't give you the feeling they're reacting to uh, to each other. And then it's like so many long pans. 
Worst is like you just see everything, and it's just like, did we really need to wait for the reveal of him sitting at his desk again? <laughs> Honestly, I've struggled with this movie because it's one. It's almost like a Rorschach test where the longer you look at it, the more you're like, oh my god, did he have intention behind this? Where I in my head for like an hour last night, I was in bed. I just smoked a bowl. I was like giving this movie a lot of thought. And I was like, what if Neil Breen just died in the car or Dylan, the character died in the car accident. And this is his character coping with the afterlife. And so he's coming up with this fantasies where his like drug addict ex-wife dies. And so he's like, oh man, my childhood love. And I exposed all of the world's secrets. And it kind of has this like, very grand sense of what it's actually doing. And then like, you think about it for another minute and you're like, I actually don't think he was doing any of that. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting you say that. Cause like I did find an interview he did pertain to faithful fi- findings and he did say that like, Oh, he, wa- he wants his films to be, uh, to be able to be interpreted differently by uh, by everyone he's actually said he likes the fact that if you ask three different people about his film like what uh, what they think the message was they get three uh, you'll get three different answers the thing is that uh, that was his response to a question about the political message in this movie i feel like that's something where where it's like if you're going to be political you need to define what you're talking uh, 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 about or or else you you are just saying nonsense. <laughs> you don't think the political message was clear? <laughs> I uh, look, it, it's weird. This movie is overtly political, and I have no idea where Neil Brain stands. Like he could be advocating for total anarchy. This movie also could be step one in the alt right pipeline. <laughs> And I have no idea where where he wants it to go. I think he just he was. I think he was say he distrusts the government. There's like a lot of messaging where he distrusts big pharma. He distrusts the government. He distrusts. I think women a lot. Like I don't think he likes women. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, uh, well, yeah. Like every woman in this movie. Uh, and either wants to bang him or uh, or murders uh, their husband after not banging him <laughs> part of me wants to really know like where where he found all uh, all these actors because uh, because he hasn't worked with any of the other actors in this movie in any of his other projects so uh, so like there has to have been some sort of a casting call for this craigslist <laughs> That's like the only explanation that I find that would make any sense. Either that or he just like went to porn studios and found like their most D-level porn people. Like just like the the piss and shit porn actresses. And he's like, hey, you want to not get piss and shit on? And they're like, yeah, I could like use a break from that. And he's like, all right. And they're like, but we're not good at acting. We can only kind of get piss and shit on. And they're just like. He's like, doesn't matter. Just read the lines. All right. All right. Just one thing about him going to porn studios. That would be a great place to find actresses that, uh, that are above age, but look like teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> so I think Craigslist, like, I don't think any, I don't, I can't 
I I just don't think they had any acting before. I think it was like people were like, oh, yeah, I could act. And they're like, let's give it a shot with this crazy person I met at the mall. Or like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the thing is, uh, like, every line here, including one spoken by him, felt like the person w uh, didn't fully read the script. They just got the line for, uh, for the first time. Okay, also, they didn't have a boom. I'm just like, I don't believe for a second they had a boom because I feel like every director note was just talk louder. We're not picking <laughs> it up on audio. And then you get lines like, all right, I'm sorry. And that's like the opening. Line. Oh, uh, oh, they probably just had like a boom set, uh, set up in the room because again, because again, he listed himself as the uh, as like what the sound engineer. So he. Uh, but he's he's in almost every scene and he's directing. He cannot physically hold hold a boom while all that's going on. <laughs> oh my god. Um I think one thing he did really well is he subverts your expectations in every single scene of that movie. But I'll, does he build up to that subversion? No, it's just subversion for subversion's sake. Where, like, you get, okay, there's a scene where he just has a fight with his wife where he's like, please stop being a drug addict, please. And then, like, it cuts to another scene. <laughs> he's like, I'm working on this move or on this book or hacking into the database. He's never clear about what he's actually <laughs> I think he's supposed to be working on a book, but it, but he's actually hacking into a, a database like that. That's why there there's the, uh, that scene where he finally tells publishers like I'm not working on the book. Which, by the way, fun fact that scene took apparently took 29 takes. Really? Yeah, th uh, that's on the IMDb trivia. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, the the throwing laptops part of it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so at a certain point, he's just like the wife comes up and she's like, "I'm done," and then he's like. No, no, don't be done. And then he just starts like throwing papers all around the room and she starts smiling and he like throws all four laptops off his desk. And you're like, okay, he's clearing the desk because he's going to pick her up and put her on the desk and do like a hot makeout sesh. But he, instead he, they just stay standing out, barely kissing. And he keeps just throwing stuff for the fun of it. He just keeps throwing shit and never subverting those expectations you think it's gonna be hot no it's gonna be weird <laughs> it's gonna keep being weird <laughs> the thing is it's like it clearly he has a following so there are people who who enjoy him specifically for uh for this style i get i guess a lot of it is like it how much of it is intentional is because because uh, like you have to you have to be just like a weird person to to continuously make make these movies and and like again with the Tommy Wiseau comparison I know for a fact Tommy Wiseau is a super fucking weirdo like I like I've been to a, like a Q and A session he 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 has he is absolutely a weirdo I so I believe like he someone like that could make the room with full intention of being. And good. It's like it, it, just based on the uh, the interview I uh, I found. It's like his all his answers feel too normal. Wait, really? Uh, 
what uh, like I I'm sure if I heard him say it out loud it might sound uh, uh, sound weir- uh, weirder but it, uh, uh, but like just uh, just reading it uh, it's hard to Im- uh, imagine just he- uh, him being weird weird about uh, uh, about it although like some question it does seem like he dodges well he has a job he's ultimately an architect and I'm just like could you imagine you're like yeah I just moved into this place it's brand new. It's a classic Neil Breen. <laughs> you to get to your bedroom, you have to open a door in the ceiling. <laughs> it's a lot of like because there are t- uh, times uh, like when they're in, uh, like when him and Leia are in that crate. Uh, I guess it's a crate together. Let's just call it a crate. Are you talking Let's- about the garbage bag room? No, <laughs> no, not, not the garbage. We need to get to that. But I was gonna. Uh, Gonna talk uh, talk about like when Leia's kidnapped and she's trapped. It, oh yeah, yeah. In that the, I don't know what it's called crate storage unit. What uh, whatever. It's like when they're in there to uh, together. It's like they're. Uh, it's like that's a uh, that's a shot in an environment that actually takes very skillful lighting to uh, uh, to place it. So it's uh, so it's something where it's like I. It's just uh, that uh, it's just a flash of okay he does know what he's doing at, at, at times like I, I do think he would benefit to just like shadow so, uh, someone uh, who uh, who really knows their shit do you think neil breen wants to make a good movie or do you think neil breen just wants to make his movie that's uh, i think that's the thing that uh, that confuses me i, I think he uh, He'd be fine making his movie now because he has an audience, and uh, and so he knows like okay, if I keep doing this, pe- uh, people will watch. Uh, but I, uh, but I also feel like if he uh, if he keeps if if he keeps getting this re- reinforcement, I'm not sure if he's trying to be better how most artists are. Yeah, I don't think he's trying to be better. I think he I think it's one of those things where it's like I don't know, it's like a kid coloring outside of the lines and you're like, you know, it would look better if it would, if you colored inside of the lines and you'd be like, "No. I'm I'm coloring. It's my it's you can't tell me how to color." And I just imagine him just scribbling outside the lines for this entire movie. Yeah, and the thing and the thing is, like the coloring outside the lines, that's a good way to like explore things, explore explore your own cre- uh, creativity, explore what uh, uh, what you like instead of just do, uh, doing what you're what you're told to. But again, this is his third feature film. He's had time to uh, uh, to learn uh, new things, and he's just sh- uh, showing he's he just hasn't done that. Well, have we watched any of his other films? I haven't. I, I I've only seen the trailers. <laughs> <laughs> Are they better? <laughs> they they seem on the same level, uh, but also so back to the garbage bags scene because he keeps uh, throughout the film he kept popping up the, uh, this imagery of yeah first it was this book that was spray painted gold, and then uh, and then the. Uh, there are times where it's like both him and was it the actress that played Leia were both just butt naked around this book and 
I assume it was supposed to be like a black void, but it was just black garbage bags draped down. That never connected to anything. Yeah, I really, for the life of me, had no fucking clue what was happening in that scene. I just like, there's so much of that where none of it really made that much sense. It's kind of like, all right, what was the book? Is that where he got all the government secrets from? What does The Rock do? Where'd it come from? Uh, okay, so The Rock, I'm fine with uh, I'm fine with the uh, with just the explanation. The Rock is something mysterious that gives him powers, and everyone accepts that. But uh, but it's something where it's uh, just like he keeps trying to add, uh, to add on to that. Where at some point you need to explain it. Uh, like you like you could build up to an explanation or just uh, or just like giving small tidbits uh, throughout but it's like you can't add a whole lot of lore and still have that be a mystery yeah the desert scene got to me too and like people kept breaking into their house but no one would be there and the paintings moved there's like this weird ghost element to it what was the smoke on screen? Yeah, I, I assume that was like some sort of spirit, but I wasn't sure if it was supposed to like curse or bless them. Because like, I don't know if it cursed him. It just gave him powers. Yeah. And made every woman want to fuck him. <laughs> Dude, Breen Poles. <laughs> Neil Breen Poles. That's a fact about him. I don't know. I'm just imagining him. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm... Uh, I mean, his Wikipedia page mentions almost nothing about his personal life, so I don't know if he's married or not. I doubt it. <laughs> I just, like, wholeheartedly doubt it. I don't know what the plot of that movie was. All I know is at the end, he's uncovered the government secrets. <laughs> and he... I don't know if he's still dating Leia. They don't explain who shot the sniper that was going to take him out. <laughs> You remember the sniper? Yeah, the sniper getting ready to kill him, but get shot, and then there's no explanation. <laughs> was that Leia? I I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that was the spirit protecting him with a gun. <laughs> also, how did Jim afford a Ferrari? Whose Ferrari was that? That's the real question for me. Uh, uh, that was a nice ass fucking Ferrari. I. I no, I I would believe Jim just has a Ferrari. Like, I, does Neil Breen have a Ferrari? Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't know. He he gets distribution deals off uh, off some of his movies. Maybe one was enough to pay for a Ferrari. Which, uh, good for him. Like, <laughs> I want to. Now I need to find some of Neil Breen's houses. Like, I want to see a Neil Breen designed house. No, what? Uh, uh, no, what if his entire filmmaking career was just a midlife crisis for him? It's like, I, I think that's the. It's like it's just all one, uh, one continuous midlife crisis. He made two movies, got some money out of it. It's just like, all right, now I can afford a Ferrari like a normal middle aged man. Okay, yeah, this. So I found a website called Neil Breen Films LLC. The man, the myth, the movie. Um, Neil's house in Las Vegas. Okay, yeah, so it's the pool scene. So the, he that's his house where they have the pool party. Yeah, that makes sense. But I want to see one that he designed. Wouldn't it be funny if he was just the worst architect in the world? I don't know. Or like, <laughs> yeah, it'd be funny. 
But then I'd be like, how's he affording all these movies? <laughs> like, I kind of want him to be a really successful to uh, successful architect and just like, you're like, how'd you go from that to this? Like, I just want him, I wanted you to be, I don't know. Like, he's just one of those people that would consider themselves a personality hire where he just gets along with the boss really well. And that's why he hasn't been fired. <laughs> I want them to just be like, yeah, we're just using him for, like, publicity. People come in for Neil Breen designed houses, but we don't let him do that. Yeah, it's like uh, yeah, it's like how Sol uh, Salt Bay opened a restaurant in New York, and then everyone who went there is just like, yeah, it fucking sucks. <laughs> Got a thousand dollars for steak with gold on it. <laughs> oh, all right, uh, we getting into three points. Yeah, uh, our three con uh, concessions. My first concession: a lot of the movie was absolutely hilarious. It's a good movie to watch with your friends. Yeah, yeah. Because the thing is, yes, he does make really weird and <laughs> decisions at the five logic, but because they're so. Uh, Weird. They they are just so they're laugh laughable because like all the all the characters, none of them act human, but they all act non-human in similar ways. I like the opening scene when they find the rock. Neil Breen goes, "It's a magical day," and then they cut to the to Leah with an open notebook, and in it is written, "It's a magical day." <laughs> <laughs> and then later at the pool party neil breen realizes that she's leah because she has the notebook open to the page saying it's a magical day yeah, which is crazy because like there's nothing else written on that page and so, uh, uh, so the rest of it is just blank. Why is she carrying around that notebook? I don't know. It's so weird. <laughs> and it's like, why use the notebook? They uh, they already had the imagery of her bracelet. They could have used that to establish she was lit. Okay. Another weird, funny thing is they get out there and like there's the mushroom, but also there's just like metallic rocks all by the mushroom. And she's like, I'm going to use this for a bracelet. No explanation for why there's metallic. It's not like she dropped them by. There's just beads by the bracelet, which I guess is ghost stuff. I, I don't know. The, 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 did she also <laughs> get uh, powers? What would her powers even be? She writes really well. She has really good penmanship. <laughs> no, what? Uh, what if that's the explanation of why she looks? Uh, why she looks fucking twenty three? <laughs> Um, this script, I don't think was edited once. <laughs> I think he just kept writing until he got to the end and then like closed it and handed it off to the actors and actresses. I don't think he took a look at it. I don't think he fixed punctuation. I don't think he went like, all right, maybe instead of saying committed suicide five times, I should say kill myself or how could you kill yourself? It's just committed suicide 10 times in a row. Um, you got some positives. Uh, yeah. Um, David Silva, who played Jim, was actually a decent actor. Like, uh, like given what he had, I th I think he did well. If you told me only one ca uh, cast member re uh, read the full script and actually understood, it, I would believe it's him. Like, I wouldn't even choose Neil Breen if you gave me that. Option. 
He only had the he had the one line in the movie that seems like it was written to be funny on purpose, where she's like, "Oh, you get more pleasure out of being with your car," and he's like, "More than I got from you." <laughs> it's like that's a quip you would find in a sitcom. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think he ad libbed it. You uh, you don't think Neil Breen was just a comedic genius in that moment? <laughs> no. Um. Neil Breen is such a creepy looking fuck. He makes me want to jump into a pool of acid. <laughs> everything he does is so fucking creepy. Like, oh my God. Everything he does is like what a child predator would do. <laughs> like, it, I mean, the thing about like, all, uh, all, uh, especially when it came to the underage girl wines, uh, and sleep with him. It's the fact he, as a like fifty year old man, wrote that and put and put it in, and had to make all the decisions for, uh, for that to happen. It really is just like, why do you really want this, dude? He's got like that scaly skin, and he's always licking his lips, real creepy, creepy fucking dude. Yeah, that. Uh, yeah, that. That's a big, that's a big um obstacle for independence uh, films because it's not Hollywood. People look normal, and you can't uh, and not hot megastars. Well, and I think that it like adds this weird context to everything that's happened. I think if you had a different actor who like played it the exact same but just looked different, you'd be like, oh, okay, this movie kind of makes sense. You're like, here's this charismatic guy who hacks into government, you'd be like, oh, he's an everyman. He can do everything. But you're like, Neil Breen does it, and you're like, did he, like, fuck kids to get this power? Like, what? it's such a... Cr oh, man, he freaks me out. Well, yeah, it's because he... It's because, like, he's not... Uh, he's not particularly a good actor, and I... Uh, and so, like, he doesn't know how, uh, how to come off as, as charismatic or caring. Because uh, I do think that also comes th uh, through in the writing, because because uh, it's like it, it's a major thing that his wife has a pill addiction and he seems to do nothing about it except complain <laughs> occasionally. He's just like stop, <laughs> and she's like, "But I love them. They make me feel good." And he's like, "Oh no, but stop." <laughs> That's a two-minute scene in the movie. It's just them going back and forth. Oh, my God. Okay, wait. Can we talk about just one second? He goes to the psychiatrist in the boardroom, and then he ends up leaving that psychiatrist, and I guess to get, like, opposites going, he meets with a new psychiatrist in a room that's just like a broom closet. Like, their knees are touching. <laughs> <laughs> And both the psychiatrists talk about like they talk about a this is a brand new psychiatrist and she's just like you've been coming to me for years you were so inspired by that first book and now you're struggling but it'll all work out it's like this weird supernatural it's like going to the oracle in the matrix yeah the uh, uh yeah, I okay, so I thought one of them was a psychiatrist and the other one was a therapist. That could be it. Uh, yeah. And so it's like he just needed one to essentially give him meds. 
Yeah, I don't know. But why? Dude, everything, every choice in that movie is so weird. You got a third point. Yeah, all right. My my, my third one is that it is genuinely in, uh, inspirational to it to see like someone on that level build of a uh, uh, build a following. Like, I'm not even be, being sarcastic. That. Uh, uh, that like the fa uh, the fact uh, Neil Breen with just uh, which is using uh, his side money to uh, to make this fil uh, film happen and get it and get it out there is uh, is a testament to his work ethic and willpower. Yeah, most people would be humiliated. Most people would be embarrassed and give up after one film, but not Neil Breen. Neil Breen just powers on forward, making crazy movies that everyone enjoys. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he he's an independent filmmaker. He he's he's clearly doing this for passion, and he makes movies for no one but himself. He's a classic auteur. That's what I'm trying <laughs> to say. He's 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 like a fucking Wes Anderson. He's like Wes Anderson. If Wes Anderson, uh, when Anderson had like a brain injury or something, <laughs> you know that TikTok trend where there it's like bouldering, but if shot as if it's like Wes Anderson. Yeah. I want to see that, but with Neil Breen. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast, but it's Neil Breen style. So like. We're like, hi guys, but like as we're talking, it's just a slow pan left to right. Yeah, it's like there uh, there are awkward pauses be uh, uh, between every single statement in our conversation. <laughs> All right, uh, my last point. I think if he could, he'd have shot the movie as one continuous pan that goes left to right. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I think it would have been like all the dialogue would have been finished off of one pan left to right. And then you would have hit the wall and then it would have just gone into a different room left to right. And it would have done that for an hour and 45 minutes. Uh, honestly, probably not a full hour and 45 minutes, but like to do that for a scene or, or, or two, I think that would actually be pretty cool to look at. You think that would help it? I, Maybe not uh, this project, but I could see, uh, see like you uh, using that to, uh, for some uh, uh, for some other pro uh, project, cause uh, uh, to just pan left or right, cause I I think like one of the paranormal activity mo uh, uh, movies did so uh, did something like that, and it's like you uh, you could just add uh, new stuff to uh, to the same scene that uh, that like so, uh, and that adds new context or surprises the audience. That's uh, the third one. With the kids, where he sets it up on an oscillating fan. Oh yeah, yeah, that was dude. I mm, I fucking love those movies, but I don't know if we can. T we should get the last one because it's so fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sorry, I got off track. I got off track. Um, you want to get to the closing statements? Yeah. You want to start us off? Yeah, I'll do that. All right. So I genuinely believe this is the best Neil Breen could do. He just couldn't do that much. <laughs> I understand him being short on professional resources, but there are better uses of those resources that he does have. The film shows an unwillingness to improve enabled by a fan race who doesn't push him. Fateful finding his findings is weird. 
It's so fucking weird. <laughs> it's a weird story made by a weird man who did nothing but make weird choices. It's unique. There's nothing else like they're out there out uh, out there like it. And I just want you guys to go see it. I highly recommend it. It's not bad. It's like enjoyable. I watched an hour and 40 minutes of it and was smiling and happy at the end. It's a good movie. It's just fucking weird. And the only way to describe how weird it is, is that it's bad. <laughs> um, I think before we go, we should do like a little housekeeping in the sense that for a while, we're not going to do any movies that are made by big studios due to the actors and writers strike. Yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, so in solidarity with uh, with the strike, we are not going to be be releasing episodes discussing movies from struck companies, and that includes four episodes we have already recorded but haven't released yet. So once the strikes are over, we're going to re uh, release them. But in the meantime, we're going to be co uh, covering st uh, uh, films that aren't from struck company so a lot of independent films some foreign features it'll be weird more weird stuff yeah it'll be stuff where you're like i've never heard of that and you're like and i'm happy that i never did that sounds awful <laughs> yeah <laughs> also there's going to be an episode with Waterworld. we're going to talk about how it's our it was what came out on our birthdays it was actually supposed to release around today because today's my birthday and we got this since we recorded this today instead. So it's all good. Yeah. It, yeah. We're just going to release War uh, World in like December whenever strike ends and and just get sudden DMs like happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, that's the podcast. All right. Yeah. Th uh, yeah. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you.